You all know we at GLG love a fish out of water story. Some of our favorite connections on the pop culture playground have been about characters who leave their lives of comfort and familiarity and embark on a journey of self-discovery. So today we will once again revisit this classic trope, this time with a movie and spin-off TV show about a group of vampire roommates trying to make it in our modern world, but growing very little, at least still making us laugh a ton in the process. They say that vampires' hearts are cold and dead. Definitely dead. But we don't know. We think they still feel things inside, so long as we look closely at what they do in the shadows. So, stay tuned. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Grounded Learners Guild Pop Culture Playground. We like to do this during break times or slower times for educators. Try to keep in touch and keep some content coming for our listenership, but use some light, entertaining content and keep grounded in the real world that we face when we come back, which unfortunately is soon, of learning, education, and professional learning as well. And as we prepare to start off this new school year, we're going to do another pop culture playground, Six Degrees of Education episode. And this time we're going to connect to both a movie and a TV show and make a connection to everyone's kooky and oftentimes inappropriate favorite vampires meets friends, what we do in the shadows. And we've got two norms. This time I remember the two. Two norms that we try to hold ourselves accountable to. The 20-minute norm, as you have probably witnessed, we're not so great at. We try our best. But again, we're trying to keep it short and sweet. Second norm is there will for sure be some spoilers in this one, but it's still worth watching it over and over and over again. Yo, get on Hulu, watch this show, watch the movie wherever it's streaming. They're both great. Well, and truly, I don't know why we keep saying the 20 minutes. It's it's like Guillermo never becoming a vampire. It's never going <laughs> to happen. happen. But you know what? It's good to have goals and it's good to have a target because otherwise we'd go an it's... hour and a half. So <laughs> yeah, it's a dream. It's a dream, much like Guillermo. Yes, so. yes. But we at least try to keep it. We keep it close to our hearts. Yeah. All right. So let's just jump right in. Casey, if you could start by providing a gist of both movie and show, which I think you probably concisely tie together. So essentially, it's the same concept. The movie came out, I think, in the mid-aught teens. I made up that. I'm not sure how to actually say it. But it was one of the first outings of Taika Waititi. He was the director of one of the Thor movies, is kind of a quirky actor. He co-wrote the movie about three flatmates who are vampires trying to navigate modern life because we know for most vampire lore, vampires live forever. So they have these 18th, 17th, 16th century minds trying to exist in modern society and all the hilarity that ensues. I think in 2018, the movie was changed into a television series similar kooky characters and it's same concept just hilarious and inappropriate curse warning (laughs) for anyone who is sensitive to that it's fabulous yeah don't accidentally watch with your child one of us may have done that (laughs) no names mentioned me (laughs) me i'm i'm the problem it's me anyways so let's just jump right in this first connection is one from the movie so since we're talking about adorable taika ratiti let's bring it right around to his character viago and the flat meetings yeah so this is the opening scene in the movie where he goes around and wakes up every member of the house from their 
daytime vampiric slumber like knock knock flat meeting knock knock flat meeting and he essentially hosts a meeting where he clearly has an agenda um, and really clarifies common expectations for everyone like can you please clean up your bodies after you're done with them we don't want them laying around the house in a dirty flat and all of this stuff and as ridiculous as it is I think Viago does a good job of what we would expect a high quality PLC leader to do. He calls the meeting, he follows the agenda and is able to keep a straight face even though his other flatmates are trying to test him and think it's stupid that they have to meet. So he really keeps a good game face. So I think in the movie version, people could learn a lot from Viago and how to lead a team. That's brilliant with PLC's case because we've all been there. We've all been there in the PLC what that's like. I also got the idea or got the feel for what it means to have roles within a group or a team meeting. I yes. didn't necessarily go to PLC, but that is quite brilliant but Viago's role in that team is necessary and the other thing that it made me think of is one of the quotes that I steal from you Casey and I use in team meetings now all the time it always gets a reaction is I don't mean to be the fart in church but like that is the line that you always use and I have stolen it and used it because Viago is the fart in church for that team but they need it they need to be told what they need to stay on track you have that role own it and Viago is that guy and we need that guy we need that person in that role in that team so don't hate on him too much and he's a lover like he does it in such a kind way (laughs) as much as you could be a lover and a vampire at the same time he has a soft soul which I think makes him more approachable that the other more harsh vampires are like ah fine we'll do it yeah he even has his own little love story arc it's adorable I love Viago but I was still thinking about professional learning but I was actually thinking of like whole staff meetings and what really made me think of it, this is going to sound so awful, is when he tries to wake up Peter and he just snarls at him <laughs> so he just goes away. Um, it's like the teacher who yes. gets told to stop doing their grading. Yeah, I was thinking of Peter is like that. I'm retiring this year. I'm not coming to this meeting. Like Peter just stays in his coffin. But Viago knows that it has to be done, that mass communication has to happen and that you have to at least make a solid attempt, invite everybody to the table, every time right. if they choose not to come that's their choice that's Peter's choice he can do what he wants because he's like Nosferatu or something like he's just like <laughs> under the stairs yep. but anyways like he invites everybody to the table and grumble they might but they come and they do get all on the same page it accomplishes the objectives because he had a plan and does it but it is funny because it does kind of play a little bit like a mirror of staff's good and bad love it All right. Second one is one of my favorite little concepts from the movie. And throughout the movie, Vladislav is often referring to his former nemesis and a defeat that he experienced at the hands of the beast. So what are some uh, connections we can make to the beast? So I'm going to try again because the first time I tried to explain my connection, I was dying laughing and it just came out completely ridiculous. So one of the hilarious moments in this sequence related to Vlad and the Beast is when he tries to transform himself into a bat. He's got the bat body, but the human face. So like his normal face. And to me, what first popped into my mind was 
as coaches, we need to strive to be genuine. And if we aren't authentically listening, authentically caring about the person sitting across from us, their goals and their students, any moves we try to make to support that teacher's growth are going to come off as fake, as ridiculous and jarring so much so that they're going to reject anything you have to share. And so that's what I thought of when I'm thinking of Vlad trying to use his powers after being injured by being impaled with a light post, which is why he is so angry at her because she impacted his abilities to use his vampiric powers. It's hard not to laugh hysterically. The images surrounding his defeat at the hands of the beast are so funny. And I actually just have to share that her real name is Pauline. And he just goes, where's Pauline? <laughs> like calls her the beast but she prefers pauline who wouldn't right what i think of when i think of pauline aka the beast and how she affected vladislav takes me back to our failure episode so i think we all have like a major failure something that haunts us something that we play over and over again in our mind but i think that his is an example of failure that hasn't been mentally reframed for growth because obviously he cannot grow as a result of it he has his human face on the bat and it's the funniest thing of all time but it's <laughs> insurmountable failure symbolized in that arc much like my ability to explain my connection <laughs> without <laughs> I can't tell, Kate. Like, I could see you, but like, you also, you're like, to do the point of tears, also like crying. (laughs) I'm so crying. So good. So So funny. Emily, similar to you in that regard, I'm thinking of current reality and coaching cycles and why they're so, why current reality is so powerful is because our mind tells us things that sometimes aren't always the whole truth right? Current reality and baseline data help us get to the real issue at hand. Sometimes we build up the drama or it's bigger than it really is in our head, whether it's a problem we're trying to solve for, or it has to do with our student achievement data or whatever it might be. So when we have a coach to partner with, that's helping us with that current reality on the onset. I think that Vlad- Vladimir, is that his name? Vladislav. Vladislav. One of the Vlad. 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 We'll just go with Vlad. <laughs> yeah. Vlad <Sure. laughs> could really benefit from having someone talk him through the current reality of his situation so that he can, like you said, Emily, move past it into a better place. Moving on, we're actually going to jump fully into the show going forward, which is also quite excellent. And this is, we're going to begin with a character named Guillermo Mm -hmm. and his arc as a familiar and familiars in general for the vampires, as well as possibly touching on Guillermo's secret identity. Yeah. So, Familiars for anyone who's not really familiar vampire. (laughs) Familiar. Oh, Uh opportunity for a pun. Familiars are like the vampires in training, kind of. So they end up working for or serving their vampire lords in the hopes that the vampires will eventually turn them into actual vampires. However, as you see in the series and even the movie, What We Do in the Shadows, because the vampires are kind of helpless in modern society, they don't want to turn their servants into vampires because then there would be an equal playing field. So Guillermo has this goal of being a vampire and we find out, spoilers, that he actually has, is a descendant of Van Helsing, one of the most famous vampire hunters who eventually takes out Dracula. And so I think this speaks to the concept that all teachers, even the ones who maybe are struggling 
a bit with their instruction. They do have superpowers. They can be excellent teachers. And it's through a coach, someone who believes, or a leader even, who believes in that potential that they can be amazing. And so that's my connection between Guillermo because he is fantastic. He's awkward and they, they don't see him for what he really is and the potential that he has and how valuable he actually is. Only in later seasons does Nandor realize how important he is. His snark is brilliant. It is just so... His facial expressions, too. It is so good. It is so good. And he's the individual in the operation that gets the job done. Like, you can see he's the what? Like, the rest of them are just imbeciles at times. And he's just like, you know, he's their servant, yet he's the one rolling up his sleeves and getting the, the job done. And to me, that connection reminds me of just leadership in general. Not the imbecile mm-hmm. part. Not trying to insult at all. I just mean that if you have leadership, you also need those people behind the scenes that are willing to do some of the work and and actually want to do the work without the title in your corner that are Mm -hmm. here for you that are here to protect you that are that know what's going on that can help you get the job done because it's lonely to be a leader and so you need that second person that person behind the scenes that's going to help you get through it and you everyone needs a Guillermo he's your guy So when I think about Guillermo, I was actually thinking just about the importance of identifying strengths, identifying, recognizing, and honoring strengths in our students and in the teachers that we coach. Because I think Nandor, to his detriment, ignores Guillermo's strength and Mm -hmm. just utilizes him for grunt work. Whereas in reality, like even in the first episode, like he's got the idea to go find them their quote unquote food at LARPing places. Like it's so funny. (laughs) So clever. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Sorry, LARPers. (laughs) Because for everyone, it's because they're going off the stereotype that LARPers are virgins. (laughs) Vampires crave virgin blood. Delicacy, I guess. So yeah, Mm -hmm. gross but funny. Super funny. But Guillermo's good at what he does. And Nandor ignores the things that he's best at and just kind of doesn't recognize him for his strengths. And again, that recognizance and honoring of people's strengths is really what helps people feel seen, be seen. And it doesn't happen. So unfortunately, what ends up happening then it was with his secret identity. His strength is something completely different that actively works Mm -hmm. against Nandor and the others and their goals if he's a vampire slayer, right? I mean, I haven't seen it, Mm -hmm. so don't want to spoil hard because I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm assuming (laughs) that's going to cause some friction when somebody is developing their own talents and not recognized for any. They're not going to be part of a system and make it healthier because they weren't nurtured and Guillermo's not nurtured. Well, and what's interesting about it is you're playing the game. If you don't don't nurture the talent, you run the risk of the talent not staying in your corner. Guillermo has really grown to love these people as much as they tear him down. And so he sticks with them and actually uses the talent to protect them. But it's because he's a good person and cares for them, even though they treat him like garbage and has this hope that he'll eventually be made into a vampire. You run the risk of the opposite happening if you don't nurture the talent. Well, and like in the movie, the familiar just gets turned by some other vampire. Like, Nick does it, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry, spoilers. We we stick that norm. The familiars, I think, like that you might get lucky if you're not nurturing yep. with talent and honoring what they're capable of doing. But odds are more likely that they're either going to move on somewhere else or their talents yep. might work against you. So leaders take heart, like make your people feel seen and recognize them. It's mm-hmm. Crucial. So moving on to a different concept and another one that might bring a lot of laughing because I think this is like the funniest concept. <laughs> But we meet in the series, Colin, the energy vampire. So let's talk about energy vampires. Yes. So this is not a concept in the movie. And I think this is the one of the most genius additions that the show has made. So the three other roommates that really are inspired by characters from the movie are traditional vampires. Colin is something different. And instead of sucking blood, he bores people to death (laughs) and sucks out their energy as he's talking about really boring stuff like accounting and policy (laughs) and these random board games that no one cares about (laughs) and just any conversation, he has the ability to suck out your energy. And so the connection that I make is oftentimes in our educational systems, we focus so much of our energy on what is wrong, and it actually ends up depleting more of our ability to notice and see and celebrate and name the good, which is what reignites people's spark and passion and commitment to doing this vital work of teaching and leading within a school system. And so if we focus on fixing that parent issue or focusing on that minute problem or feedback that we got from something, instead of looking at the wider scope that will reignite that passion, I think we fall victim to the energy vampire because we're not focusing and pointing our attention to the right things or the things that matter. I love also, Casey, I have to mention the, the scene where not only are they sucking the energy, but they're also just trying to agitate people. <laughs> and he's sticking the pencil, pencil <laughs> into the like electric pencil sharpener over and over again. It's just the most annoying <laughs> noise. And they're just in these cubicles. It reminds me so much of like a vampire version of The Office. Like it's just so good. So yeah. So, yes. So good. My connection is in the scene with the Council for Energy Vampires, where they are they are <laughs> brought to the council for whatever reason. Casey, you probably know better than I. Yeah, the unholy council. Uh, yes, the unholy yeah. council. They're probably in trouble for some reason or not doing their jobs the right way. And so this council is this like round table of other energy vampires that are in power, like making decisions about the fate of other energy vampires. They're not all energy vampires in the council. They're all traditional vampires. Well, that's even funnier because I feel like they are also energy <laughs> suckers in that scene because huh. they just, the one, ha- the one has a cell phone that's continuing to alert and ding. She's like, oh, that's annoying. The other one's like, talking at a microphone and you can't hear her. The other one doesn't know how to use his technology. They're in this meeting, a council meeting or whatever you could just think, substitute committee meetings, substitute a PLC meeting, substitute any Mm -hmm. kind of meeting that you're sitting in. And this is what made me think of we laugh we don't want to do it. We're all adults here, but the power and the need for norms. This group needs norms yeah. in order to get their work done because they cannot get this work done. And the, the topic at hand, the agenda is never even addressed. Colin is sitting there and his time is wasted and all of their time is wasted. So that's where my head went is, yes, we hate norms, but we need them, especially when our teams aren't operating in the ways we would hope. Right there with you thinking about, uh, and I love that you brought up norms because I actually just thought Firehose PD and 
in general. We were talking mm-hmm. about that in one of our very early episodes discussing the difference between firehose PD and nurturing helpful PD and firehose PD. I'm sorry to use so many non-exemplars here, but let's face it, these guys are goofs. I think Colin represents a badly designed PD without mm-hmm. whether intentional or not sucks energy out of people. Mm-hmm. They leave feeling worse than when they came in. It can actually like take teachers who might actually be say it happens at the beginning of the school year. People might be excited to see each other and catch up mm-hmm. with their colleagues and you know maybe ready to try something new and kind of brings them down instead of lifting mm-hmm. up. So you have to think carefully about professional learning design when you're creating learning experiences for teachers particularly. Otherwise, you don't want to be the energy vampire of professional learning. Well, and Emily, you had said you've been providing non-examples. What we do in the shadows also provides you a positive example. So I believe it is in season two when Guillermo stumbles in an effort to find new food for the vampires. He stumbles into what he thinks is a substance abuse meeting, but in actuality, it's a vampire slaying club. And in this this club, the members are up. They are actively training to slay vampires one day. And so that's the difference between a fire hose PD and one that really is active, engaging. Everyone's got autonomy and feel a sense of belonging and purpose. So what we do in the shadows offers a positive exemplar, too. Good to know. Good to know. So back to non-exemplar land, but also speaking of up and active. <laughs> well, bravo on the, on the segue. I'm here for it. This is one of the best things. We were watching these clips earlier. There's an arc where Nandor, one of the vampires on the show, he's probably, I think, the, the senior member of their coven yes. or whatever. And like he's kind of a fuddy-duddy, but he ends up joining a fitness cult. Yes. So Nandor currently goes through an existential crisis. He is one of the older vampires. He learns that his home country no longer exists. The last descendant of one of his 70 wives has recently died and he's got no one left. And so he's trying to find new purpose and meaning and ends up joining this cult of vampires who rips out their vampire teeth every day because they are living under this premise that they're, they've made themselves human again through exercise and daily removing of their teeth. So he joins this group, completely <laughs> falls in with them, and Guillermo has to go in and rescue. They're learning how to smile again. They're doing like <laughs> jazzercise. They're eating vegan. It's brilliant. I'm, I'll go first for this one. I am thinking about, we talk a lot on this podcast about SEL, how could we not? It's such a important topic to cover. And I'm thinking about canned SEL programs. And so like, mm-hmm. <laughs> when you think of how could we integrate social emotional instructional practices in, of building community and making out authentic and real versus the cult like perception that we get from this these scenes in this fitness cult. So how do we build SEL to be less canned programming where we purchase a binder that says on day three, we're teaching this 
is so that we have checked the box for a good social emotional learning lesson. How do we do it just integrated within the curriculum and naturally instead so it's more authentic and not as inauthentic, I guess. And I'm mm-hmm. I, I'm scared. Don't at me for the for the canned curriculums me being, <laughs> being <laughs> considered cult like. I, I I don't know. That's a stretch, but at least I have to. <laughs> So I'm going to try again to get through this without absolutely cackling in laughter. Nandor turns to the first thing that he sees that gives him some sort of glimmer of the past purpose and power and strength that he had as a, a young vampire. And this reminds me of, we've all known them, that principal who goes all in to the new initiative, the new thing, and then drinks the Kool-Aid, puts all their eggs in that basket, and then the next time they're on to something different. And I think in this case, that's what Nandor does. He chooses the next ooh shiny program, strategy, initiative, without really seeing that There's no truth to it. There's no substance to it. It's just this lie that they're all telling themselves. And unless we anchor our initiative in what students need, with what our systems need, and are willing to really put in the work to make it happen and the resources. I know, Jenny, you talked about that in our Unpopular Opinions episode. You have to dedicate the FTE in the long term to make that thing happen or make the investment and all of the complete investments happen in the long run and not just join the next fitness club that thinks makes you think that that's going to be the, the solution to your system. Yeah, so. all, all rah-rah hype, no substance. Mm-hmm, Yeah. So my connection was a little bit different. I was actually just thinking about the importance for both teacher satisfaction and student satisfaction of belonging, a sense of belonging. I think that's such a key part to making sure that people are satisfied and happy in their situation. And it's interesting. I accidentally referred to the group of roommates, so to speak, as a coven before, but they don't really function as a coven. And so it's interesting that when he lost his homeland and he lost his line of offspring, bloodline, so to speak, that Nandor was looking for a sense of belonging and family elsewhere. He didn't find it within his his coven, his group of roommates. They didn't help him through that, apparently. It didn't seem like he got any comfort from Guillermo. It seems to me like he just had to go outside of, of that for comfort and for a sense of belonging. And as soon as he found that, he really jumped into like the norms that they set out for him so that he felt like he belonged. And he found that to be invigorating. And it sounds like, Casey, you had even mentioned, like they have trouble getting him to stop wanting to do those things because he found a sense of belonging there. So no matter what the outcome is, I think we have to consider that others are looking to us for a sense of belonging. And we we might have to to offer it to everyone, to the Nandors, and find a way to relate to every every kid that comes in our door because we don't want them looking outside and losing 400 cornhole games yeah. to find their sense of belonging. Like jokes aside, belonging is crucial. We need to give it to everyone. 
Well, we need speed round on this last one, don't we, folks? Yeah. yeah, we do need a speed round on this one. So let's just talk. Casey, start us off by telling us a little bit about Jackie Daytona. <laughs> the plotting itself of this episode, this character, Laszlo, is probably the most inappropriate of all of the roommates in What We Do in the Shadows. And centuries ago, he got into debt with this one guy who owned a bar who is also a vampire, becomes a vampire and comes to collect on his debt. And it's it's pittance. And instead of actually owning up or taking responsibility, Laszlo ends up creating this alternate persona in Pennsylvania called Jackie Doitona. He owns a bar. He's the... <laughs> cities girls volleyball like ultimate fan number one hosts this event i am using too many words in order to get the volleyball team to go to state and it's completely ridiculous all a ruse to avoid paying this debt and his disguise is doesn't exist (laughs) it's just himself saying his name is Jackie Daytona and this guy comes into the bar and doesn't even recognize Laszlo as Laszlo and again ridiculousness I I can't do it justice I can go first on this one we have our episode on imposter syndrome he clearly does not have it Mm. he does not have it (laughs) he does not have it he is fully embracing the imposter and he he loves it so I understand that most of us educators have in one way or another felt this phenomena he has not we could learn a lesson or two in the more ethical ways of doing things but there is something about reinvention of yourself owning your potential there's some things that you can do that you can take a lesson from Jackie Daytona so that we don't have the imposter syndrome that drags us down because he clearly doesn't. Let's just do it in a much better, more kinder way. And, and, and to quote the show, regular human bartender Jackie Daytona, when you're Jackie Daytona, you can do whatever you want because you can change lives. He fully embraces yes. the fact that he has the power to bring these girls to state, to make this happen <laughs> because the town is better. He manifests because it of because him. of that confidence. Yeah. He manifests it. And and I think there's a lesson as stupid <laughs> as the, as he is and this episode is, I think there's a lesson in it that principals can learn in that if you can become the hub for your community as a school and as a principal, if you invest in your, and even teachers can learn this too, if you create that sense of belonging, you can, as a result, be the lifeblood, (laughs) no pun intended, blood, the heart of that community. And he becomes a pillar of this community they in love Pennsylvania. Him. They and love him. <laughs> so if you manifest it, if you invest in the community as a teacher and as a leader, it will come back to you, just like Jackie Daytona. <laughs> Very similar, so I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I was just thinking of the incredible need for positivity when shifting roles. That's yes. just it. Like I, he he Love embraces that. that role. Like, but we talked about this a little bit in in you know our Parks and Rec episode where we were talking a little bit about all of the different things that have gone into the different role changes that we've faced and so much fear and like you said, Jenny, imposter syndrome goes into that, but. Short but sweet. If you try to stay positive, they might just love you. And they did. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that was our last connection, which now brings us for a fun vampire game and a little bring back of a game we've played in the past. Yes. Several past episodes, we have played a little game modeled after a different game. And ours is called Milk Margarita Malort. It is very similar to the Mary Kill Other Thing game, but it's with drinks. And the way this works, don't forget, is for milk, it's something necessary, good, lots of that. Keep it coming. Margarita, once in a while, but don't overdo it. And Malort, for those of you of the non-Chicagoan persuasion, is just the grossest alcohol ever. Tastes like burning rubber. Pure wax. Get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Out the window. That's that. But we have a couple of triads here of different vampire-related entertainment. So take it away, Casey. So, yes. So we have to choose whether or not we want a milk margarita or a Malort between the Vampire Diaries, Interview with the Vampire, and Twilight. You're welcome, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm proud of you, Casey, for including Twilight. Who's going first? So I will go first. I really enjoyed this first triad. Of course you did. I am definitely, surprise, surprise, going to malort Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, because I went through an Ian's soul soul holder phase. Summer holder, whatever. (laughs) I went through a phase with him, like piercing, gorgeous blue eyes. So I am going to Margarita the Vampire Diaries because all the drama and love triangles gets a little boring for me because they're just trying to replicate shows of the past. And so my milk, I loved the movie and I even read the book of Interview with a Vampire. Like you've got some amazing Hollywood leading men in that movie. Christian Slater, you've got Antonio Ben. Darius, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt. It's awesome. So that is my could watch it and probably did watch it a lot more than I should have in high school. So I'm going to shout out my girl Kirsten Dunst too. And I'm also going to say I would choose mm-hmm. Interview with the Vampire for Milk. And also like I'm really intrigued by the new series. Did you see that Grey Worm from Game of Thrones is in it? He plays no. Louis in the new series. So I feel like I need to find that and watch it just oh. to see some of that because it looks awesome. So anyways, Milk for Interview with the Vampire, I think it's just an interesting and classic take on that story. I'm going to make Casey real mad here and say Margarita for Twilight. Let me yes. tell you what. <gasps> yes. I used to be a YA librarian in the era where Twilight was popular and the circulation stats alone made it worth it for an occasional margarita because those kids were reading they were checking out books they were looking for other vampire books they didn't just stop after twilight i was like whatever anything that can get kids to read with passion and interest like that can't not be all bad it sends some terrible messages about dating hence it it can give you a sugar margarita if you engage too deeply for too long (laughs) so margarita only with that baby and then vampire diaries i believe i've never even seen it but from what i understand it jumped the shark maybe 20 times so my lord Mm -hmm. sorry y'all sorry ian i'm gonna just select it based on how much i've watched each one of those and they fall in line (laughs) as such twilight for sure gets milk i could watch that any not every day but i could watch that anytime you want to go back and rewatch casey so we are on the opposite ends we've always had the battle of the twilight so your milk in twilight interview with the vampire margarita you could watch that as many times if i had to put it somewhere and then vampire diaries i've literally never seen as emily you mentioned similarly so i'm alert that because clearly it's just doesn't have the user stats in my life not on your radar (laughs) just like (laughs) 
a vampire in What We Do in the Shadows who eats a slice of pizza. I'm <laughs> vomiting right now, but we'll move on. We're in the French fry, right? He ate a French fry and was like, nah. Yes. <laughs> so good. So good. So our next triad is having to decide between Buffy the Vampire Slayer, True Blood, and the animated films Hotel Transylvania. I can go first on this one. I'm going to say Milk for Buffy. I think it's so culturally iconic yes. and like strong female characters. I know there were a few weird tropes in there that they maybe could have avoided, but overall, its impact on everything. And by the way, I like the Christy Swanson movie too. Just going to say that. So mm-hmm. I like I like Buffy. That's milk. Margarita is True Blood, especially the early seasons. It was kind of fun. It was sort of sassy, spicy, you know, like margaritas can be. It had some really funny moments, particularly early on. I fell off of it at the end. So margarita only. And then I've never seen Hotel Transylvania. Probably cute and I might regret oh. this someday, but Malort. Sorry, kids. Your kids will like it. Okay, fair. There's a few of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yep. So you and I, Emily, match on milk for sure. Like that is Buffy that I would go through a yearly binge of my favorite Buffy the Vampire Slayer episodes. I love that show. Um, And then I actually said Margarita is Hotel Transylvania. There's some really stupid jokes in it, but it's lighthearted. It's fun. And it's a great movie to watch with family or great series of movies to watch with your family. And I have never seen an episode of True Blood. So unfortunately, I will have to malort that. Got to watch the early seasons for Lafayette and Pam, but go on. We are three for on the milk. I also chose Buffy. Man, it just brings me back to the middle school years for myself. I'm dating myself, but that's when it was out and loved it. Could always watch that one. Agreed, Casey. Also on the Hotel Transylvania. Once in a while with the fam. It's cute and fun. And finally, the reason I'm alerting True Blood, which I have seen all of the seasons and we like actually really like, <laughs> like True fun. Blood. It and, like, I, it's so good, but I have to choose on the Lord. And here's why. I won't go back and watch that series. Literally just the way he says her name drives me crazy though. So okay. So okay. <laughs> so okay. I just can't. I just can't. I'm over it. So it was such a good show, but aside, I had to, you know, I'm nitpicking, but it's okay. Can uh she can be more Alert. And yet <laughs> okay. we keep saying it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you guys were a match set, so I'm awarding you each a pair of false vampire fangs and a cornhole set to honor yes. Nandor. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this summer's round of Pop Culture Playground. We really look forward to kicking off season four and starting you off with some fresh content for a fresh school year. Hope you'll join us. And that's a wrap. It's so good to be behind the mics talking to you all. Thanks for choosing to come around to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teams. If you'd like to connect, the power of the PLN continues as always, and you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at Tech Coach M and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLG Podchat. Do you even realize your feedback is everything? Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already or are finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review as well as subscribing? You can find us wherever you stream. Thanks as always for tuning in to be a part of the Grounded Learners Guild. 
That's it for us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode. See you at the next guild meeting. And don't forget, in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded. <laughs>